Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. For the month of July, we are focusing on some five topics. So we're starting the teaching service today, but then we will continue for the rest of the month. There are five topics we are going to address. Today we will focus on the Word of God, the relevance on the Word of God, and we'll give opportunity for questions. The weeks that will follow, we'll have other teachings. There wouldn't be questions. Then the fourth week, we will have another question and answer time. So let's welcome Nana Kofi to give us the Word. Mori, Mori, I think that's better. That's more Ghanaian. No? It's good to see you all. Amen. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here in his presence with family. Amen. Let's, let's say a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the gift of fellowship. The Bible says that in your presence, hills melt like wax. Father, we pray that even as your word comes, every hill in our lives will be totally dissolved by the power of your word. That sicknesses will disappear. That the blind will see. That the lame will walk. That the deaf will hear and the mute will speak. Father, we thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for your word. That your word stays potent through time. Through all circumstances. We thank you, Father, that your word never fails. May you speak to us, O oh God, and may you be glorified through this session. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Welcome to our first teaching, teaching service. Uh, today I want to share with you on the relevance of scripture or the word. Uh, there was a time when uh, Pastor Joe preached and he talked about the five solace. And it's, it's basically during the Reformation in the 1600s where... Uh, the church had an awakening and they had to reconcile some of what had become part of the belief system of the church at the time and part of church ritual and practice and go back to the word and look at it and say, okay, these are the things we do in church. How does it reconcile with scripture? And they felt that there were a number of things that had to be taken out. So then uh, the, those five pillars were introduced. Scripture alone, so... Everything we do as a church should be guided and guarded by scripture alone. And then there is, we are saved by grace alone, not by works. So you can't bribe your way into salvation. You can't work your way into salvation. Uh, you cannot manipulate your way into salvation. We are only saved by grace and through faith alone. Amen. It is faith and specifically faith in Christ Jesus. And that's why we have Christ alone. Only Christ saves. We live in a time and age when it's very easy to hear, oh, you know, people say, well, you know, don't be so hard on these things, you know. Uh, maybe other religions lead to the same destination. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, you know, so only Christ saves, and then everything we do as a church should be to the glory of God alone. Amen. Not to the glory of the pastor, not to the glory of the archbishop, not to the glory of the pope, uh, not to the glory of the pastor's wife, <laughs> but to, to, to God alone. Amen. And this morning, what I want to do is to take the first solar, but not discuss it. Unfortunately, when these five pillars come up, they become theological discussions. And depending on which denomination somebody belongs to, they take a strong, a strong position. But that is not what is actually the most important. The most important thing is how relevant is scripture to the life of the Christian. At the end of the day, we are not here to debate or to argue. We are here on earth as children of God to live lives that please him. You know, that at the end of our duty, when we are finally laid to rest, he can look at us, look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have fulfilled your mission 
on earth. Amen. That is actually the most important thing. It's not what denomination you belong to. It is, were you able to fulfill your assignment whilst you're on earth? And then certain questions arise, like, what even is your assignment? Why are you here? In fact, who are you? you know, so these questions are serious life questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where will I go from here? Somebody once said, if you don't know where you are going, every road is good enough. But how do you know where you are going? I don't know if any of you, and I know, in fact, I know many of you have had the privilege of buying something new for yourself for the first time, you know. It wasn't handed down to you. You bought it yourself. So basically, if, say, you bought a car straight from the dealer, it is not a third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand, second hand, but right from the manufacturer. Or if you bought a TV from the manufacturer, if you bought a radio set from the manufacturer, you didn't buy it from Cantamanto, you bought it from the manufacturer. We'll notice that anything that comes new often would come with a manual. In other words, the person who designs it also gives you instructions on how to use it. Every product that is well made would come with a manual. Because when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If you don't know what a product is for, you know, we'll see you carrying a chair, on your, uh, a chair on your head because you think it's a hat. You know? Until somebody says, no, 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 no. Yes, it's designed to look like a hat, but it's actually a chair. Sit on it, it's comfortable. And this is how to clean it. This is how to treat your leather shoes. This is what not to use. You know, when you buy a new dress, you know, they tell you how to iron it. Or or maybe it's wash and wear, so you can just dip it in water, wash it, and wear it straight away. You know, because <laughs> it's wash and wear. <laughs> so, <laughs> but basically, the manufacturer gives you instructions. For us as human beings, the person who created us gave us a manual for living. Amen. And this manual for living is what we call the scriptures. We call it the Bible. We call it the word of God. Amen. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 and Luke chapter 4 verse 1, we have story. I, I, I like to call them the two great temptations in scripture. The first one is the devil tempting Adam and Eve, specifically Eve, in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. And then in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus being led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And there's something interesting about both temptations. In both temptations, the word of God comes up. Amen. The issue of exactly what God thinks about life, about the situation, and what his instructions are, come up. Amen. So in Eve's case, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the devil says to Eve, Did God really say? <laughs> Amen. Basically, the devil was sowing a seed of doubt, questioning the quality of Eve's understanding of what the divine instruction had been. And true to the devil's suspicion, Eve overshot. He says, did God really say that you are not supposed to eat of this fruit? And, he said, and she says, oh, he, said, he even said we shouldn't touch it. Not, not only did God say we shouldn't eat it, he even said we shouldn't touch it. Amen. Now, so Eve, we see Eve going further than God had actually commanded. That is the danger of not getting the scripture right. Amen. That is the danger of the Christian thinking that, oh, I can overdo. I can do more than the scripture requires. So there are many things we think are, I mean, in the body of Christ, there are many things we do they make us feel good. They make us feel spiritual. They make us feel pious. It's called sanctimonious piousity. You know? <laughs> it makes us feel very, very audacious, you know, on fire. And they are actually as overshooting scripture. Amen. I mean, this might be offensive to some people, you know. Uh, but let's take the issue of alcohol. Exactly what does the scripture say about alcohol? 
You see, and people go like, but exactly what does the scripture say? When Jesus drank wine in the Bible, was it non-alcoholic? At what point in human history were we able to make wine that was non-alcoholic? The whole objective of wine was that it is wine. If it's not, it's fruit juice. But why do we feel very spiritual saying, touch not? Did God say, touch not? Or did he say, wine is a mocker, and strong wine a brawler, and he that is led astray thereby is not wise? If you allow this to lead you astray, there is a problem. But did he actually say, touch not alcohol? Yes, there were instances in the Bible where God told specific people not to touch alcohol, like Samson. You know, and it was part of a very special covenant. But did God ever say, my church, thou shalt not touch alcohol? Let's take the issue of smoking. I understand the doctors will say, yes, it will kill you. Food too will kill you. I'm not advocating for smoking. I don't smoke. I am not saying go and smoke. But we are talking scripture. Because, you see, when you see a Christian who smokes, you just assume they are not spiritual enough and they are going to hell. Meanwhile, you eat three balls of kenke, you alone. And you don't think it's gluttony. <laughs> when they say, hey, that, that's a lot of food, you look at the food and say, who are thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You quote scripture to justify your gluttony. And yet you look at the one who smokes and you think they are going to hell. Let's take the issue of gay rights. The Bible is very emphatic. Homosexuality is sin. The Bible is also very emphatic. Gluttony is sin. Gossiping is sin. But if I caught you and say, oh, Brother Kujo, how are you? Brother Kujo, have you heard? Brother Kujo, we should pray. Oh. Have you heard that, uh, Brother Jonas? Hmm. Uh, we should pray. Oh. When I spiritualize gossiping, does it make it righteous? You know, so we have the people who, and it's just a spirit of religion, when people think that they have to, they, you know, they are stricter than God is. Hey, you are not married to her. Why are you talking to her? Where did the Bible say that you cannot talk to somebody you are, married, you are not married to? Who, where did those boundaries come from? And that is why the Christian, and this is to every Christian, you must always have the courage to question what you believe. Especially in the light of scripture. It's very important. The Bible says give, 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 but it's not a lottery program. Eh? So there are Christians who they just work and give to church. So, oh, by faith. God will. And what they are really doing is because they have very poor financial management, no sense of how to grow their money, no sense of how to invest, they just think, oh, if I keep giving to God, if I keep to giving to God, he'll protect me. He'll, he'll. The Bible says it is by grace you are saved. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, your protection was in there. We give because we are grateful, first and foremost. And because we are grateful, it pleases the Father and he even blesses us more. So yes, when you give, you'll be blessed. Amen. But we are not giving because we want to bribe. Amen. There's a story of an old lady who was dying from starvation. She was very hungry. Now, this old lady had a very intelligent son. Grew up in the village, got a scholarship, and he had this job that was taking him all over the world. And everywhere he went, he would send his mother pictures. Not pictures of himself, but pictures from this country. And she, she would paste this all over her wall in her house. The roof was, leafy, uh, the, the roof was leaking. She was starving. Uh, she couldn't afford new clothing. But the son kept sending her beautiful pictures. So this dying old lady had the most beautiful wallpaper in the whole village. But she was dying from starvation. And people will come and say, oh, your wall is beautiful. Your wall is very beautiful. Your son sends, sends you all this. But when is your son going to send you money? When is this your son? If he says he loves his mother, how come he won't come and take care of you? He said, don't worry. My son never forgets me. He always sends me beautiful pictures. Finally, the son comes. And then he sees his dying mother. 
It's like, mom, but what's wrong? So basically, everywhere in the world he goes, he sends his mother money. And the beautiful pictures she receives is actually money in different currencies. But to her, because she's illiterate, and the money doesn't look like the Ghana city, to her they are just pictures. So she was starving and she was hungry and her roof was leaking and she was dying. But she had beautiful pictures all around. But many Christians are like that. We are dying. We are starving. We are confused. We are depressed. We are frustrated. We are lost. We are afraid. And we have beautiful pictures all around us. <laughs> they are just pictures. And that leads to the question of what is the purpose of the word of God? Why would people die through time to defend this word? People were burnt at the stake. People were crucified, some upside down, some were sawed in two, some were, as they say, fired up. You know, they were burnt to protect and defend this word so you will have it. Why would anybody go to that extent to protect something if it's not valuable? What is the purpose of God's word? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 16, we hear and we learn that all scripture, the word as we have it, is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. Amen. And then we read in Second Peter that his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Amen. So as long as you are here in this world living this life, the word gives you directions for life. Amen. And for godliness. Hallelujah. The word of God also produces life. There's, there's so much in the... I think five minutes to my time, I would be happy to receive a signal because there is, there is, there's a lot to, to cover here. You know, but let's take even the scripture saying that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises. The word is full of great and precious promises so that through them, so that through these promises, you might partake in the divine nature, and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So we are reading from Second Peter that there's a lot of corruption in this world through evil desires. A lot. And as the world gets more complicated and more advanced, there's even more, you know, evil gets more intense. How does the Christian survive it? How do you find your way? How do you not carry unnecessary headache in life? It's through scripture. It is knowing exactly what the Bible teaches about any situation. Amen. There are many times when the word of God sounds like a restriction, like a burden, you know, like, like a yoke they are trying to put around your neck, especially when you are young. You know, because you feel, oh, I, I want to be free and do whatever I want. Nobody can sit on my happiness. And yet, every instruction in God's word <laughs> is to make your life easier. Amen. It is to make our lives better. I mean, we can take scripture after scripture after scripture. You realize it is the only reason why God bothered writing all these things and inspiring people to note them down, giving us 66 books with plenty chapters and verses. It's so that our lives will be easier. I mean, there are some partnerships that have failed. And it could be corporate. It could be marital. It could be spousal. And if you talk to the couple at some point, they tell you, well, when I met this person, I had to overlook what I knew the Bible teaches. You understand? So basically felt that, oh, uh, you know, um, I liked him or she liked me. And, you know, the biological clock was ticking. So I thought, okay, yeah, you know, hey, his grace is sufficient, no? And, and occasionally we'll chip in <laughs> some, <laughs> some inappropriate scripture for the, for the occasion. And then we compromise. And then it turns out the guy is a... Yeah, he's one of those people, and now the children, and now the in-laws, and now this headache. And a lot of the times, I mean, if the person wasn't born again, and they don't know the scripture, it's different. But it happens to Christians also. And you look at all that headache that comes. All that headache. And you're like, okay, did they not know that the Bible gives very clear guidance on how to choose a spouse? It does. It does. Listen, I'm saying this as somebody who's made a lot of atrocious mistakes. Eh? And there are, some, there are some mistakes you make and you never really recover from them. You, you kind of, 
accept it, and you move on. So I'm never perfect, not, never speaking from a place of uh, perfection. But there's, there have been many instances in my personal life where I have appeared to be very wise. But it's not because I was wise. It was because when the situation came up, I just looked at knowing what the Bible says about the situation. I just decided to, against my personal feelings and desires and instincts and wishes, I just decided that, okay, this goes against my conscience as a Christian, so I will walk away, or I will keep quiet, or I will not take the job, or I will not return the call, or I will not. And, and in the end, like, hey, Charlie NK, hey. No, 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 no. It was just scripture that protected me. Amen. Amen. And this is what Peter is teaching us. You know, that everything that pertains to life and to godliness, God has provided the wisdom for it through scripture. Amen. The word of God is also very creative. John 6, 6 uh, 63 says, The words I have spoken unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. They create. Psalm 33 verse 6 and 9 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, they are starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That we now see that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It's called ex nihilo. That God created this world out of nothingness. Amen. Only he can do that. But what does this teach us? I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story to illustrate this point. There was a time when I was very frustrated. I remember one particular afternoon. I was sitting, you know, I was so frustrated I had to catch a flight. I was running late. A few things hadn't lined up. I was sweaty. I was sticky. I was exhausted. And then we have a lady who works for us in the house or works with us. I don't know what's more politically correct to say it nowadays. But <laughs> she, I saw her walking from the summer hut towards the house and she was so relaxed and she was whistling and she was enjoying she had no cares. And I looked at her. I said, this lady, whether she works or not, at the end of the month, I'll pay her. She's enjoying my summer hat. She's whistling. She's probably walking towards my food. She's going to eat my food. And I am sitting here, so frustrated. <laughs> I said, God, what's wrong? You know, and the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor because it was a very genuine prayer of desperation. God, what's wrong with me? What's going on? And then I got a phone call. And then when the phone call came, I picked her and I said, tell her, and I said, Bobby, you know, the hustle, the hustle. <laughs> and then instantly the Holy Spirit said, well, you said it. You called yourself a hustler. That's why you're hustling. <laughs> and I said, Father, forgive me. From this day onwards, I will never call myself a hustler. Amen. And since then, you know, that level of frustration, I don't think I've experienced it ever since. But I was so frustrated. Amen. And, the, and this is why. It says, life and death are in the power of your tongue. The scripture tells you, it says, everything you see was created by God's mouth. If you are his child, your mouth will create everything you want to see. Your mouth. Yes, there are abuses to this scripture. You know, there is this whole name it, claim it. So somebody can see your wife and claim, claim her by faith and all that. <laughs> there are abuses to it. But if you stick to the word as it should be, it works. Amen. So you can't come and pray. You can't come and pray and say that you have faith. God, I thank you for a new job. I thank you for supernatural openings. I thank you for favor from on high. And then your glasses will fall off. <laughs> you will bind. You will lose. You do everything. And then the next minute you sit by your wife or your husband. Kwejo, Ghana, eh? Ghana, if you don't know anybody, it's hard. Oh. It's hard. Yeah. Ghana, when your party is not in power, eh? hey, look, and then she was like, but I mean, my party is in power. Do you think they pick my call? They don't even pick my phone call. Hey, this country, eh? Charlie, let's migrate. Eh, but getting U.S. visa to Charlie is hard, oh. See, so what you prayed and what you're saying now, what should the angels of God work with? Or you think the person who prayed and the person who is talking now are two different people? It didn't say, <laughs> when you are praying, your tongue is different, oh. See, and, and so these, these are the subtleties. This is where we struggle with. How can you make your private conversations, your deepest prayers, and your social interactions all align with God's word? Because if you can get all to align with God's word, 
you will see for yourself that the word really works. Amen. Because there's consistency. The Bible says when the trumpeter is confused, uh, how will the people respond? You know? We don't know whether you are calling us to war or you are telling us the queen has delivered. Because the trumpet you are blowing, we can't understand. A lot of the times our lives are like that. But the word of God is creative. If we can align with his word, it is creative. The word of God also cleanses. It is water, or it is like water. It says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Amen. This is Jesus in John 15, verse 3. He says, you are already clean because of the word. But it, practically speaking, what does it mean? To say the word of God cleanses, what does it mean? In Psalm 119, verse 9, and then verse 11, combined, he says, how can a young man or a young woman keep his or her way pure? And he says, by living according to the word. Amen. It's, very, it's not complicated, is it? So sometimes the scriptures are very straightforward. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. So you notice that when it comes to even the question of purity or holiness, there are steps. There is me hiding your word in my heart. So when the guy calls, I'm like, this guy calling me around this time. Uh, and you have a check in your spirit. So there is how it protects us. You know, there's the preventive aspect to it. And then there is the fact that we fail. And you know, sometimes we end up in the mud just like a pig. But you're a sheep. And we call for help. And his word rescues us. Amen. That is why he is the God of new beginnings and new opportunities. Amen. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he moved our transgressions away from us. Amen. The word of God is also light. I mean, the number of scriptures that tell you the word of God is light is plenty. I don't have a lot of time. But Psalm 119 verse 105 is my favorite. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And then we read, Verse, 30, verse 130, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Life can be complicated, but the word of God gives light. Where we are confused, he gives us light. You see, this thing about the word of God giving light is very crucial. Because sometimes people confuse what is legal with what is righteous. There are many things that are legal. I mean, if you are after 18... There are so many things you can do. Nobody will ever arrest you for them. Well, unless you live in certain countries. But in, in most democratic nations, you can do them. But they may be sin. And sometimes you can grow up and there will be a lot of things that are legal that you do that are socially acceptable and all that. And one day you'll be reading scripture and you realize, oh, this is actually not right. God doesn't agree with this. You see? So... You are doing what was socially acceptable. You haven't offended anybody by law. But God says, no, you can't do that. I'll give you one simple one. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything apart from this is not from God. People who are people pleasers, not necessarily that they go out trying to please people, but they are nice people. They don't like offending people. They don't like hurting people. Say yes to everything. Oh, Brother Judas, can you uh, uh, betray Jesus? So, yeah, yes, I can. Uh, Brother Judas, uh, can you not betray Jesus? Yes, I can. Uh, Brother Judas, can you? you understand? They say yes because they want to please. And then they go home and now their wife is on their case. Why, did you, why, why didn't you ask? Oh, but you know, John is a brother. I don't want to hurt him. Why? Why do you struggle with just saying yes or just saying no? One of the best blessings that personally happened in my life was when I learned to say no. It is the easiest thing for me to say no. Sometimes life is complicated. Other times, life is just knowing what to say no to. And the Bible is very clear on that. It says, it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be straightforward about things. Amen. So it gives you light. The word of God is also spiritual food. Too many of us are spiritually malnourished because we don't read the word. And so when we come under attack, remember that in the two temptations I talked about, the devil came quoting the word or trying to, you know... Uh, tune the word in a certain way. And Jesus knew the word. So he would tell the devil, no, it is written. It is written. It is written. As for Eve, she was like, oh, she overshot. And that's why she fell. But Jesus didn't. Amen. The word is an anchor. We have an anchor you know, that keeps our soul. If you know and you know and you know what God really says about the situation, you know, about the health of your children, about the preservation of your marriage, about open doors. 
You know, God is very clear on these things. He's very, very, very clear in Scripture. And we, the word is also a seed, it's a sword. You know, so when you get into battle, one of the things I actually wanted to talk about today is the fact that many Christians don't understand the concept of enemy in Scripture. And I think I will end with that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's, very, it's a simple statement. Many people attacked Paul. Some lashed him. Finally, some crucified him. Some betrayed him. He was brokenhearted many times. He was hurt many, many times. And yet he never saw any of these people as his real enemy. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It is not people. It is spirits. And it's, it's, it helps to know that. So Jesus, one time Peter looks at Jesus and says, oh, you are Christ, the Messiah. You are not Elijah. You are not just one of the prophets. You are the Messiah. And then another time, the same Peter says, no, Jesus, don't die on the cross. Oh, this one. And Jesus turns, looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. It wasn't Peter who was Satan. Peter had become a conduit. He had become a channel the devil was using. There are many people who obstruct us. They'll see you Monday morning and like, hey, you've put on weight. And it's not them. They haven't even thought about it. The devil was just looking for a loose mouth to ruin your week. So you go through the whole week looking at your mirror. Hey, I need to shed a few more. No, no, no. And, and we should be able to discern. Amen. So that's why you are very useless. Very useless. Very, very, very useless. Even A, you can't type. Ah! Who is speaking? That's not God. That's the devil. But if you hate Amaya because it was Amaya who said it, you miss it. People go and bind and lose and fire, fire. I turn the blood of Jesus into a bomb. I blast you, Brackwood. I blast you. Die. You think they are watching some Jackie Chan movie? And because people don't know, you know, the Bible, in fact, one of the heaviest words in scripture, my time is up, let me round up with this, is when God said, it is for the lack of knowledge that my people perish. In other words, ignorance is a more dangerous problem than the devil. As for the devil, you are protected against him. But if you are ignorant, who can help you? And that's why God took his time, gave you these 66 books. So you not be ignorant. You know, you're a Christian couple. The only time you do it is in the dark. There's a whole book, Songs of Solomon, where you see the couple admiring each other from head to toe. Your hair is like, your nose is like, your breast is like, your... Like. Copy it. Be creative. Our God is creative. He created a crocodile. Have you seen a crocodile in real life? And he created the ant. Amen. Every day, the same soup. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' precious name. May we have the courage to live it. We thank you for the beauty of it. Amen. Amen. When you ask a preacher to teach, you get it more practical. Okay, so it's time for questions. We have just about 15 minutes to allow questions. Questions based on what he taught and then all other related questions that you have. You just ask. And the questions are not directed to Nana. So everyone here is um, encouraged to help with addressing the issues. But today our main focus is the relevance of the word of God to the Christian and to the world. So any question? So ask any question at all. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I enjoyed the teaching. I really, I really did enjoy it. Um, there's this thing that is, um, let me say, confusing me a bit. The last bit of it, um, the teaching, that's under the enemies. Okay, so I'm thinking about this. Here's this person who has teamed up with the enemy, as in the enemy we know, the devil. So, um, a friend of the enemy. I don't know who that person is. And then the person, has, and the person has teamed up with the enemy and is more like working against you. So I'm a bit confused. Who is that person then? And how do you handle that person? Louise, thanks for your question. Uh, it's a very simple one. Okay, it's a very, very simple one. Okay, so the person is the friend of the enemy and so is the enemy. That's, Let's say the person is, is, the, is the enemy. What does the Bible say? It says, love your enemies. 
It says, pray for them. Yeah. But if you think love your enemy sounds complicated, let me explain why he said that. Do you know that the best thing that can ever happen to you in life is enemies? Listen, look at David, okay? Let's go back to Bible. David, what was the best thing that ever happened to David? Was it when Samuel went to his house to anoint him? Was it when his father sent him to the bush to take care of the sheep? Was it when he learned to play the harp and the lyre in the, in the bush? Uh, was it when he killed a lion and a bear? It was when he fought Goliath. You understand? So enemies are always blessings in disguise. It sounds weird. Listen, why do you do your best job? Because you have a competitor. In fact, you have a colleague who is undermining you. So all of a sudden, you cross every T and dot every I. Let's look in nature, okay? Do you know that birds, birds that fly, when they end up on an island where there are no predators, over time they lose their ability to fly. I mean, this is a fact. So the dodo, a lot of birds, you know, they end up in some island and there are no predators. So there is no need to fly. <laughs> and over time, they, you know, they lose their ability to fly. So the way we look at enemies and the way church has taught us to look at enemies, even though Jesus actually teaches us differently. Listen, do you know that Judas probably was the best thing that happened to Jesus? You get to call him Messiah because of Judas. How did he become your savior? Somebody betrayed him and he died. The man who nailed him on the cross did you a favor because it would have been you he would have nailed. You understand? So, I mean, I know it sounds all theoretical and all that, but it's actually very true. When you start seeing enemies as blessings in disguise, your attitude towards them change because they do you the best favor. The only reason why you dress well is you don't want your former boss, who, whatever, to see you and think you are struggling. But people see you and you are looking good. They are a blessing to you. <laughs> Amen. So, we'll take about three questions before answers. So, all right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so during the teaching, thank you very much for it, by the way, you mentioned how for Christians, the only way to heaven, let's say, is through Christ, right? I'm always, I always ponder on this because I'm like, we've all come to understand that God created the world and he created everything in it. So just like how he created different peoples of different nations with different languages, he, I am under the impression that he created all these different religions. Some of the religions I can't dig, like all these uh, ones with the elephants and then the many hands and things, I feel like, okay, whatever. But um, I'm like, how is it that we are saying God is love, but there's only one way to him? It's kind of a restricted love, isn't it? That's, it's not a question, it's just like an observation, and I'm hoping you shed more light on whoever. Any other questions? Yeah, I'm just uh, talking about the issue of enemies. I worked in the corporate world for 35 years, and there were enemies. But when I became a Christian, before I became a Christian, I used to go fight them because I was a militant guy. But when I became a Christian, it made me depend on God. When the enemies strike, I go onto the hill, invoke scriptures, and by the time I come in, their plans have failed. It made me depend so much on God. And not, at first, I used to depend on myself. But it drew me closer to God. And I saw how God just frustrated them and knocked them out. And it included politicians and other funny, funny people. So just he draw close to God and he would take care. And I was smiling with the enemies. I knew them. God will reveal them to you. I was just smiling and blessing them. But he took care of them. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Nana, for, for sharing the word. Um, sometimes out there we'll get people who object to the authenticity and the integrity of the word of God. They believe it was written by human beings. At various points in time, it was changed, modified, translated differently. Um, and therefore, this can make Christians shake because we may not have argument for it. But you, you mentioned that we, we don't want to debate 
we want to see the real application of God's words in our life versus sticking to debate. But how do we respond to such objections and still believe that this word written by fallible men is God's word for us? Can we allow one more question? Thank you very much for a great teaching. I just want to bring another aspect to this whole word thing where people say, yes, there's the word, but there's also the spirit. And so some people operate in the prophetic gifting. And then what do you do when you are given a prophetic word which you are so sure is not scriptural? But then the person says it's in the spirit and the spirit is saying this. All right, thank you. So the first one is uh, on the question of if God is love, why are we so narrow? Jesus actually talked about this. He made, he, 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 had, he made an analogy. He talked about the road that leads to life is narrow and straight. Now, the word straight, straight there is not straight. It's an old English word. We don't use it anymore. You know, uh, S-T-R-A-I-T, it's, which means it goes like this. So not only is it narrow, it's like driving through the Himalayas. <laughs> you, you get it. So this whole concept of if God is love, I think the whole idea of love is pursuit. You know, if you and your wife had landed on an island, you didn't know each other, but you found yourself on an island, and you were the only two human beings, and over time you married and you had children, would you ever think you were in love? You didn't have a choice. <laughs> I mean, it was the only way you could procreate. You're a man and there's a woman and there, there are no other people. The beauty of love is choice, that you get to choose. Amen. So we can't talk of love in the absence of that. The good thing is that Christ lets all of us choose what way we want to walk. And then if he calls us and we respond, that is the beauty of it. The other thing is that on the question of, sometimes people confuse the truth of walking with Christ with the quality of people. Some of the worst people I've met are Christians or call themselves Christians. You know, They will rob you and praise the Lord over it. They, they would even pay tithe on the money they stole from you. I, I don't get it. you know. But he called them. And some of the nicest friends I have are not Christian. They are amazing people. Some of these questions, I personally can't answer them. But if all these people come to Christ... I'll feel very blessed because they are amazing people and I love them and I know God really loves them. I don't know if that answers your question. Okay, but so Jesus says the road to him is narrow and, and the broad way actually leads to destruction. So we will have a whole session on Christ. And then this topic will be fully addressed. Why should God limit salvation only through Christ? We will address it fully as a full session. Amen. Okay. Now to the question of uh, Brother Jonas on the word. You see, think about it. If I was Moses and I was writing the first five books, we call the Pentateuch. Uh, do you think I would write that at, and I made it somebody and I looked left, right, and nobody was looking, so I made it somebody? You, you understand? If I was writing by myself to impress the people I lead, I would leave out my feelings. But the Bible deliberately, you know, <laughs> account after account after account, shows these people God loves at their lowest. We see David raping, and he didn't end there. He killed, and uh, Jesus comes, and he's called son of David. Basically, your Lord and Savior descended from a rapist and a murderer. And we find out that in, in the women line, too, the, he has some prostitutes in there, and he has some this in there. I mean, why would anybody do that? So even in terms of looking at the content of the Bible, a lot of people find it offensive. And God said, slaughter them, and thousand whatever people were killed that day. Like, like why? You know, it's, but it wasn't written to please you. And that's why for the Christian, it is in their deep, intimate walk. And in fact, this is what he called us to. He said we should be witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost part of the earth. What is a witness? A witness is totally experiential. So me, as Nonakufi, if you ask me about my walk with Jesus, I can tell you how I became born again, how he has kept me, 
how on my mother's birthday, all of us ate fufu together. I ate with my, my pregnant wife from the same bowl. Everybody had food poisoning, including me. I nearly died. She, the pregnant woman, was the only person who ate the same fufu with me from the same bowl who didn't get food poisoning. How do you explain that? And when we, and so basically she drove me to the hospital. And after the doctor treated, treated me and he heard the story, he looked at her and said, this is a miracle. He said, if she had had the same, you know, it would have been disastrous. How do you explain that? So I can share the story with you. The other questions, I can't answer them. But I can tell you, this has been who Christ has been to me. This is how his word has worked in my life. If you can take my witness, praise God. We thank God for um, this. I'm sure there are so many other questions. What I will encourage us to do is to write down some questions. Even along the time, within the week, you have some questions. Okay, so I have two minutes. Yours was not answered. Yes, yes. Okay, so adios. Just a continuation of what he asked for. I imagine people who didn't have the grace that we have of being born into Christian situations or even pseudo-biblical situations. So you take a country like Gambia. 99% of Gambians are Muslims. You go to the Middle East, almost 100% are supposed to be Muslims. Even Christians are supposed to be hidden. Now, as a natural cause, these people are going to be Muslims. And if you see them following the Muslim course, it's very religious. They do as they are told. So that if they were in the Christendom, they would have done the same. But it just happened as to where they found themselves and therefore lead such lives. How would they be refused by God? Because through no fault of theirs, that's the sea in which they landed, and therefore the flood waters carried them along that way. I feel that is grace that we are here, and for them, they didn't have grace. And before the gospel came to us, there has been generations and time passed with so many people not getting even the gospel before it got to us. Are all those people perishing or going to hell? So these are questions I believe that everyone would think seriously about salvation. We have thought of it one point or the other. And I think one minute will not be enough to address it detailed enough. And so I'll plead that I don't know whether it's next week or next two weeks to know the topics. But this is one topic that will be treated in the next few weeks. For the next five weeks, we are treating topics that are related to this. And so this will be addressed as a full topic to answer all those questions. So I wouldn't want us to just give a gist of it and leave the others unanswered. But since, so that you have a, a good week, uh, <laughs> so that you have a good week, uh, there, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Cornelius. And the Bible says that Cornelius was a devout man who feared God, who was not a Christian. So God sent, basically an angel went to him and said, call for Peter. You get it. But that language, that he's a devout man who feared God, but he hadn't become a Christian yet. It's, it's a place I always pause at. And I won't doubt it that there are many, many devout people who fear God, who are not Christians yet. And maybe this is actually our call to evangelism. Because when you talk about the Middle East, the Middle East actually used to be dominantly Christian until the church... Church history is, you know, if you read church history, you'll just be heartbroken. Basically, Christians were killing each other for, on accusations of heresy. You believe in the Trinity, I don't believe in the Trinity. Yeah, crucify him. Uh, so when Islam started rising, there were Christians who were jubilating and were supporting Islam because they were the minorities and they were being persecuted by the bigger Christian groups. So even the loss of the Middle East to Islam was actually because the church turned on one another. It was cannibalism. 
by, by the church. You know? and, and what these things really should do when I feel is to stay in that a passion for evangelism. How God will deal with it, I mean, those are diff- questions you can't really answer. But I take consolation in what the scripture says about Cornelius, that he was a devout man. He feared God, but he had yet to become Christian. I hope that all these good people all over the world will someday come into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if possible, in their lifetime. Uh, I don't know if that helps. Uh, in, in terms of the prophecy, the issue of prophecy, the, you know, the Holy Spirit would never speak outside the word. Never. I remember years ago in secondary school, this pr- prophet ca- came to the school and he said, there's a lady here, you are wearing red panda wear. I stopped him. I said, uh, not in this school when I am uh, uh, chapel prefect or whatever. And it became giddy, 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 giddy. He, The Holy Spirit, no, he doesn't operate like that. The, the scripture, the, we are vulnerable because we don't know the word. You know, there was a, a time when the people came to Jesus and they were like, oh, there was a, a woman and then this man married her and he died and the brother and this, 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 and they, they all died. All seven of them married her and they died. Uh, which of them would she be married to in heaven? And Jesus looked at them and he said, your error is that you don't understand the scriptures. And because you don't understand the scriptures, you can't know the power of God. See, the power of God is missing our, because a lot we don't understand the scriptures. You know, but if we understand the scriptures, you can easily tell when the person is prophesying because they ate the food last night. Or they are prophesying because the Holy Spirit has really spoken to them. You, know. you would know. Normally, in fact, in the church now, prophecy is more com- confirmation of what God has already spoken to us. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that divides man from God was torn in two. And through Christ Jesus, we all have access. So I don't have more access to the Holy Spirit or to Jesus than you do. So if God lays a prophetic word on my heart, normally it is to confirm what he's already been impressing in your heart. And if you haven't felt it yet, normally if you go into prayer, you would know whether this is a confirmation or it is stomach direction. Amen. I know there are so many other questions. And... But then um, we have to also make sure we respect time. When we enjoy today, the next time you'll remember, oh, yeah, t- today is question time, but then we will close at 11, and I-, I have other things, and that will keep you from coming. So to keep us coming and to enjoy the time, I will plead with all of you with your questions. You can write them down. We'll take them and then address them next month. God bless you. Amen. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, Aboni Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.